0: guys, welcome back to the Gateway Leadership Podcast. I'm Jordan canis Tracy. In today's episode, uh, we are continuing my conversation with my dad, David canis Tracy. And uh, at this part of our conversation, I just asked him a bunch of leadership questions over the years. He's given so much good advice to me and other leaders. And I thought it'd be interesting for you guys to get to hear because whatever area th- of life that you're leading in, This is good stuff. So I hope that you'll enjoy this section of our conversation. Then stick around for the end because some of you sent in questions over Instagram and I shot those off to my dad. He had some really great answers for those. So I hope that you guys enjoy. And here we go for part three of my conversation with my dad on the gateway leadership podcast. What's there? Was there ever anything early on in leadership, in church leadership, that happened that made you think, I don't want to do this anymore? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, my failures. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> when, when you really, really mess up, like, like when I flooded the church. Uh, <laughs> because I forgot to turn off the water baptismal, and I embarrassed myself, and I humiliated myself, and all of that. When you mess up, and there were lots of examples that I could give you of huge mistakes that I made, you know, mistreating people even more seriously than flooding a church. When you, when you realize that you've mistreated someone, mm. you handled someone improperly, and you realize how damaged they are because of your naivete or we, you know, I mean you, you weren't thinking you would mistreat somebody but just your misstep damages someone you you have to ask yourself a question man am i am i you know am I the person for this job
0: right so so when something like that happens when you when you fail, either with a project or with a person, uh, how would you kind of make, make it through that and decide, I'm going to keep going?
1: I think uh, you have to forgive yourself. I think you have to learn your lesson. You grow, you know, more from your mistakes than from anything else. And, uh, you know, the mistakes that I made with people were not, you know like destroying a marriage kind of a mistake or whatever they were just bringing pain to another person you know rejecting a person or mishandling them you know it's not something they didn't recover from and i could see that at the time so you got to forgive yourself you got to learn you got to go on uh and and i think having people in my life i always had a pastor and i always had loving supportive people around me that would say no that, that you made a mistake but but look you're called you know you're not a disaster you're a blessing hang in there don't give up you know s- stay in there stay don't quit you know and yeah. and so those would be the times where you learn okay this was embarrassing this was humiliating this was stupid but it's not worth throwing my future away and i think if there's one piece of advice that i would have for somebody in any endeavor, but especially in ministry, it's just don't quit because of discouragement. Yeah. If, if you're going to do something, if you're going to make a change, you know, because it's the right thing to do for your family or you need to, you know, what, whatever that is, that's one thing. But if you're just quitting because you're feeling sorry for yourself, if you're just quitting because you're discouraged, that's like cutting a A fruit tree down in the winter, because Mm. there's no fruit. Well, you're going to be sorry when the spring comes that you cut that tree down. Don't cut a tree down in the winter.
0: In ministry, there are a lot of people who oftentimes feel like quitting, and I know that you've probably known plenty of people over the years who have made that decision, maybe prematurely and that's uh that's like a that's like a really hard thing and actually speaking about, you know, getting into ministry and and feeling like feeling like you're called to it, you know, there are probably some people listening right now who think to themselves like, "Man, I would I would love to be a pastor someday. What advice would you have for somebody who wants to be a pastor?" First is that is that a weird thing, to want to be a pastor? No,
1: absolutely not. The Bible says that if, if a man desires to be an elder, he desires a good work. Hmm. And Paul said that we should desire to prophesy. We, de- we should desire to speak the Word of God, to be you know, vessels hmm. of God. So it's, there's nothing weird about it. It's not egotistical. It can be. Egotistical. You know, it's, it's, we have to allow the Lord to purify our motives. We might want to be rich or we might want to be famous or we might want to be, have a title, right? Doctor or Reverend or Pastor or something like that. And that, I'm not saying that everybody that wants that title has a pure motive. But if you allow the Lord to purify your motives and you really, truly just want to please the Lord. And you would like that. There's nothing to be ashamed of, of in that, and I think it's a I think it's a beautiful thing. So I would encourage people that feel called to ministry. I think if you could picture yourself happy doing something else, you probably shouldn't be a pastor.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I would.
1: I, if if you could be talked out of it, I would say, yeah, it's probably not the right thing for you. That's good. You should be so moved by that thought that almost nothing could satisfy you other than that, because you're going to need... There are so many hard days when you're shepherding, when you're pastoring, you know, maybe the money isn't very good, and maybe there's a lot of pressure in the church, and maybe somebody leaves, and maybe lots of people leave, and, you know... You get into a building project that's going wrong or, or whatever. There's, a, there's a, a lot of things that can go wrong in ministry, so you better be sure on that day when you're having that really bad day that you're in the right place, right? Yeah. Because that'll get you through the hard times. You don't wanna, You don't want to get to that point where everything is crumbling and then you're not even sure if you're called. Yeah. What'll get you through... The hard times is being rock solid. No, I heard from God. I didn't do this for ego. I didn't do this for myself. I I actually am called. Yeah, I'm I'm in obedience to the Lord, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, I think those would get you through the hard times.
0: Yeah, no, I and I think that I think that some people out there have a, a misperception about a career in ministry. Like uh, I've heard people say, oh man, I'd love to be a pastor. He's getting to read the Bible every day and <laughs> and sit around and yeah. like your job is praying. And They don't know a lot about the ministry, those people. Right. I think that some people think that that ministry life, working at a church or, or being a pastor, uh, is somehow easy. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, if they don't have something else that they're passionate about they they think well maybe I can maybe I can do that but it is really really hard well let me put it into perspective for you okay
1: so you know to be a pastor you're going to get people to love god whom they can't see for a reward that they will receive not in this life but in the life to come
0: after they die <laughs>
1: after they die that they should get along with and play well with people who aren't from their generation, who don't vote like they vote. Uh, that they, they have to be united together. They have to walk in unity with people who are very different from themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And to do all that for what could be considered a lower wage yeah. than many other uh, careers. And on top of that, you're trying to get people to give money. Yeah. for the privilege of getting along with people that they're not like, for a reward that they will get after they die from a God who they cannot see. Okay, are you starting to get, Yeah. are you starting to get, this is not the easiest job that you could choose. Yeah. So make sure that you're called. But if you are called, I could tell you, I, I am the happiest person that you know i'm I'm the most satisfied person that you know because I'm doing what God has called me to do, and I love it. I love the church, I love Christians, I love people, I love children, I love old people, I love people that don't vote the way I vote and don't think the way I think, and they dress differently and i I love people and I love the church, and I love God, and I love this crazy chemistry experiment called the local church.
0: yeah no that's that's a great that's a great way of explaining it i think for me the uh, the the getting along in unity with everyone <laughs> is probably the the hardest part the challenge yeah. yeah because especially especially because you know you're not representing yourself if you're i, I think if you're doing the right thing when you're a, a leader in the church you're not representing yourself. You're trying to represent Jesus. Right. So your interactions with other people have to be, you know, what would Jesus do or how would Jesus want me to handle this? And it's not like everybody's nice. At, like, when you, when you work at the church, that doesn't automatically mean everyone's nice. Oh, there are, church people are some of the onriest, most <laughs>
1: opinionated,
0: most uh, difficult people. Yeah. Yeah, there's no... Yeah. You get so much attitude, you get so much. And, and like, I think about, I think about jobs that I had before I worked at the church, you know, I was, I was a waiter for, for some years. And if somebody at, at a restaurant, you know, if one of my coworkers at the restaurant or one of the customers was, was rude to me or got in my face, I, you know, I just like knock the soup out of their <laughs> hand and turn around walk the other way, you yeah. know, but you can't do that. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you can't do that. No, you have to be nice. Yeah, And so that's, that's for me, I think one of the, one of the biggest challenges. Um, so for you as a leader, you know, you are the lead pastor. So you have a lot of people looking to you and you have a whole organization that, uh, you know, we have a good team, but, but we're all following you. And so we're trusting that, uh, that you're staying sharp and that you're staying kind of like ahead of the curve. What, what do you, what do you do to keep your, yourself sharp and prepared as a leader? Someone who's, you know, are you like constantly trying to learn new things or
1: yeah, I think I think it's, you know, first of all, first and foremost, your relationship with God is the centerpiece of everything you do in ministry. So you want to walk with God, hear from God, love God, all of that. I think you have to then be a person that's open to grow and change. Mm-hmm. You have to be hungry, you know, you've got to be a learner. And uh, if you're growing, then the people around you will grow. And if the people around you are growing, your church and ministry is growing, so that's you know, but if you're not growing, you're the lid. So, right. <laughs> so, you know, that's, a, that's a problem. Um, I think being a leader means loving and knowing Jesus, being willing to grow and change and being passionate about taking people to a better place, including yourself and realizing you haven't, you, you, you haven't arrived there, Yeah. but you're
0: on your way. And you you want to get everybody to a better place. Yeah. So who are some of the who are some of the leaders that you kind of listen to, and that you try to learn from?
1: Uh, that's a that's a great question. It depends on what field. Yeah. We're talking about you know in the area of uh, you know leadership itself. There are so many great voices out there. John Maxwell. Carrie uh, Newhoff is somebody that I love. Uh, I love Craig Rochelle. He's very practical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- those kinds of contemporary, uh, tried and true voices that yeah. are out there. But I also read you know, the greats. I've been around some of the greats, and I love the stories of the missionaries, and I love Spurgeon, and I love some of the old voices that you can find in a book. They're not relationships that I have. They don't have a podcast. They're not super cool, (laughs) but they, uh, (laughs) you know, they're great people that God has put into the world who have written books, and then, you know, there's great leaders. I have, you know, I have mentors. I have a pastor, Emmanuel Canastraci is my pastor. I can draw wisdom from him. Yeah. I have a mentor, Dr. Frank Damasio is a mentor in my life. And there are many others that I look up to and admire. So, you know, you draw from from those kinds of people and though you know, your mentors and who you read and your relationship with Jesus and your willingness to change. Hopefully that that keeps you in a in a place where other people would like to follow you.
0: That's good. And you sought out mentorship. It didn't just happen. You're like, you're like kind of going after it, right? Being around the
1: right people is is really crucial. Whatever. Let's not talk about ministry. We can, but if if you want to be a good car salesman, or if you want right. to be a good soccer player, or whatever field you want to get great at, you've got to find people that are doing a great job and get around those people. Yeah, And you learn by hanging out with the right people.
0: Yeah. Getting around somebody that's better than you at what you want to do. Exactly, exactly.
1: If you're the sharpest person in your <laughs> peer group, yeah, you're doing something wrong.
0: That's really good. That's really good. So over the past couple of years, uh, the churches, you know, you've authored a couple books aimed at the vision of the church and and some of some of where you're taking Gateway and uh, your thoughts on on teams. What are some of the uh, what are some of the next book ideas?
1: Oh, I've got a few. I have more book ideas than I have time, unfortunately. Yeah, so, <laughs> but one that I'm thinking about right now, I, I think a lot about emotional health. I think a lot about organizational health, spiritual health. I think that's the area that I care the most about. Um, I don't really care about being famous. I don't really care about being cool. (laughs) But I do love the idea of being healthy. And so for me, leadership health and mental health and spiritual health and people feeling good and enjoying life and being healthy in life, healthy marriages, that's really—all those areas are— things are areas that I I'd like to I'd like to say more about at the right time that's um, cool leadership health is an area that that is important to me I think the whole idea of emotional mental health is really important right now as we come out of this pandemic yeah. and the world gets more and more toxic and and life just seems to be I don't know Crazier and crazier. Uh, I had somebody ask me the other day, "Are we in the end times?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> technically, yes." But I mean, I knew what she was asking yeah, was, right. you know, is this are like we in the great tribulation? And right. I started looking at some of the verses about the end of the world, and I came up with a book idea. Don't steal this, <laughs> but you know, how not to lose your mind in the end times that's good because it, because of all the things that are promised about the end times you look at what is promised and what's declared about the end times people are going to be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God they're going to turn on each other and they're going to forget the antichrist and all the big events of the world what is it going to be like psychologically to live in the end times it's going to be very challenging jesus said men's hearts will fail them for fear wow so how how can we be healthy? How can we not lose our mind in the end of the world?
0: I'd that's like to so write good.
1: about that. Um but those are the kinds of things that interest me. I I love anything about church culture and building a, you know, building a healthy culture, a great culture. I think that's important. I've seen toxic church cultures and how damaging and destructive they can be to people and to leaders and I just I love anything that has to do with healthy culture, healthy leaders, healthy churches, healthy living.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think those are the types of books that people need, and I think um, I I think those those are the topics that people are really really hungry for. Do you think so? I wonder sometimes if people are.
1: A little more interested in something sexier or flashier. I think you, you know, say let's get healthy, and it's kind of like that's a great way to empty a room. <laughs> you know, uh, y- you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think I'm a little. I th- I think some of the things that excite me are not interesting uh, to people. I'm perfectly happy thinking about them and writing about them and dwelling on them. But you know, if you want to sell a million copies of a book. Um, of course, Joyce Myers helps people think right and yeah. be healthy. And so, no, I think she's, that is she's doing I think a good That job is
0: what a lot of people yeah. want. You know, I think, I think um, if somebody is looking for for improvement in their lives, and I think a lot of people are, especially right now, I think a big question on people's minds, um, just in general, is, "Am I doing okay?" Like, what is their, you know. They need like a health compass. Like, how do I even know if I'm healthy? How do I even know if I'm thinking right or if I'm, you know, if my emotions are okay or if, because I I think a lot of people tend to default to thinking, I'm not doing, I'm not doing good. Right. I'm not doing good. Right. And they're hard on themselves. And so I think, I think they're looking for something that they can that they can gives go them okay gives them feedback for exactly. where they where they're at some like, check marks is this normal right some <laughs> things to look at some north stars yeah. for health yeah. because there are a lot of different people out there saying a lot of different things you know and it can be really really confusing to know how do i know if i'm doing okay mm-hmm. how do i know if my emotions are okay how do i know if my thought life is okay you know, and we can we can certainly say, and and one of our most important messages, of course, is look to Jesus and look to the Bible. But even even that, if you if you've never had a father or a mother teach you, you know, here's how you know if you're doing. You need okay. somebody to say to you, "You're doing fine." That's you right.
1: Know, this is normal. And uh, yeah, I don't know if a book can do that, but but if, a well written book, I think, would be helpful for sure.
0: I think. I think a book can say here's how you know if you know uh you need to change something about your emotions or your thought life or your you know cuz sometimes people can have these these wild emotions and they go oh man it, it's like scary to them is that am I okay yeah am I okay and uh
1: and then as a leader I can say that uh a lot of times you want to be very careful how you answer that question or at least early in your right ministry you're thinking man i need to i need to like phrase things a certain way and uh, help guide people in a in a certain way but i've found that the older i get the more of an overwhelming desire i have to be blunt and to be clear uh with people and not dance around the edges. Now, you've got to yeah. be careful. You've got to, you've got to, but I think people need straight feedback and they need, and it's funny, not a lot of people want straight feedback. They, they don't want it straight. But I think what a lot of people crave more than anything is just somebody to say, stop thinking that way. Yeah. That's wrong. Yeah. And I think the older I get, the more interested in that I am. Well,
0: yeah. And I mean, I know for me, of course, I can't speak for everybody, but I know for me, if I'm trying to learn something, I I want it kind of straight, you know, like, let's say I'm reading a book or an article. I hate, I hate books or articles that I'm trying to learn on a, on a topic and it takes them five pages to say what could be said in half a page. Yeah. Get to it. Yeah. 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 Right. Like just, just say it to me. Mm-hmm. Just say it to me. Or even in a conversation with, you know. But can a... you handle the truth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can. No. I, even in a conversation with a, a leader or, or someone that I'm trying to get advice from, you know, you can be too soft as a leader and try to be too careful yeah. as a leader. Because it's like if I'm asking you a question, hey, how did I come across in that meeting? And if you go, well, you see, Jordan, the thing about coming across, <laughs> it's like, just say it. Just say yeah, it. Yeah. You know, I think if people aren't asking yeah. or if they're not looking for advice, those, uh, then, then it can be taken really poorly. I think when you ask a question,
1: you have to give permission. Right. And asking a question is good, but you've got to really, you've got to convince the person that you're asking, look... I want you to give it to me straight. I yeah. value what you're saying. I'm not asking this because I want encouragement. I really <laughs> yeah, you know a lot of people will say well what did what did you think of my song? You
0: know, yeah,
1: nobody wants to hear, well, you were a little flat in the middle. That's you know? true. Nobody really wants that. They really want you to say that was amazing, you're gifted, and you know encouragement is good, but what we all have to be good at inviting. Honest feedback into our lives, yeah. and in every case, if somebody says to me, "I really want to know what you think, and it won't hurt my feelings," just be honest with me. If you give me that permission, I I will take it. But if you're not clear, or if you're just saying, "Hey, I, you know, what, I was a little nervous, or I'm having a bad day," what, what you know, I th- I think all of us need to be good at inviting.
0: Feedback, really, truly inviting feedback into our lives. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, as a, as a, as a, as a leader of people, it can be hard sometimes to know. You right. Know, especially do, if they don't give do you. They any really want to. <laughs> you know, someone asks you to coffee. Yeah. And you sit down, and they start telling you about this issue you are having, and you're like, "Okay, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Am I <laughs> am I just listening? <laughs> am I right? Yeah. You know." you got to I... find your role. What, right. what does that person
1: need from you in that moment? And one of the hardest things to say to somebody is, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think about what I'm saying right now? How does this sound to you? Yeah. That's inviting honest feedback into your life. And you... not a lot of people have the courage to do that. As a person who helps people, you don't want to be the person that is offering feedback. That's not actually wanted. That's a waste of, right. That's a waste of breath.
0: Right. Yeah. One of the, one of the great pieces of advice for leadership that you have given me, and I guess, I guess you didn't really offer it to me as advice. You just said, this is something you do. And I, and I always remembered it. You said that you always wait for someone to ask, you know, for your advice. Uh, you so, there are some leaders that someone starts talking about their day and <laughs> the, you know they want to give it they'll advice. interrupt you to yeah, say right, yeah, right. right can i tell you what i think about that right, right. Uh, but you you said to me you've said to me a couple times you always wait until someone asks because you're right if if it's unwanted it could be the best advice in the world but it's not going to do anything right it's not going to do anything
1: That's now sometimes i, mean. I will I will ask someone to ask me Right. <laughs> yeah. if they're right there. I might say, ask me what I think. Yeah. <laughs> or do you want to know what I think? Yeah.
0: Do you want, yeah.
1: Do you, do you want to know what I think that can help push it over, but they've got to be willing to listen before you, before you speak. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's so good. Um, you talked on Vision Sunday. We recently had, had Vision Sunday a little bit ago, and that broadcast went out. You talked about the Gateway Global family. Mm. Um, can you... You just kind of briefly mentioned it and, and gave a little bit of an idea, but I, I bet you when people heard that, they were probably... <laughs> Their interests were probably peaked like that. Well, what, that would be cool. Was what that? Were? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, could you tell me more about that dream? What do you see about the future for uh, the gateway global family?
1: Well, God's the builder of family, He sets the solitary into family, Psalm 68 says. And everything that God does, He, he accomplishes through family. Hmm. So, the Bible is a family history, it's the story of Adam and Abraham and the descendants of Abraham down to Jesus and the family that Jesus is building called the church and mm. and so it's really all about family the commission to the calling of God on Abraham was I will bless you and through your family mm. I will bless all the nations of the earth so I'm interested in building family. I'm interested in everyone being a part of God's family and people finding their tribe within the family. And, you know, there's one thing about family, you can't live without it. If if you don't have, if you don't know who your family is, you're in trouble. Mm. The gateway global family would be uh, people that want to be together, people that want to identify, that feel like God has somehow connected them to us. Maybe they can't be a part of our San Jose campus or our Clovis campus or our Las Vegas campus, but maybe they live in Norway or maybe they live in Africa or maybe they live in Florida and we don't have a campus anywhere near them, but they have a sense that God has called them to be a part of this family. I want to, I want to create a, a platform and a way for people to belong And identify with and be spiritually rooted and connected to us as a a tribe, if you could call it that, um, no matter where they live. And with the tools that God has given to us and with our spiritual technology and our uh, electronic technology, we can create a family that um, loves each other and supports each other and uh, so that's that's the vision of the
0: Gateway Global family. So would these be like other churches that maybe would come and say, "Hey, I'm not yes. a campus, yes, um, and we have our own kind of thing going on, but right. but we want to be connected.
1: Maybe I have a relationship with that pastor, and I'm a blessing to that church, or or they know somebody on our team that has that kind of yeah. relationship, and they seek to identify with with us. A big part of family is identity. Yeah. You know, I, I've said to you and to your brother, you're a Canastresi. I've tried to help you to understand right. what does it mean to be a Canastracy. I'm giving you identity. I'm giving you clarity on who you are. When people join Gateway, they're becoming a part of an identity. It helps them know who they are. Right. I'm not a part of that church I'm a part of this church I'm a part of the body of Christ as a whole right and I'm a part of Jesus but this is my tribe this is my these are my people this is my community and I think that can certainly happen around the world with people that feel like they want to be connected to us for the love and identity and the values that we have mm. which are a little different maybe than other people's identity yeah. and values so they want that resonates with them who we are resonates with them so it could be a church it could be a family it could be people that were a part of gateway that moved away to some city that doesn't have a gateway and right. they you know maybe they attend a, another church or maybe they don't i hope they will but but somehow they just still want to be a part of gateway because that's just who they are it mm. resonates with them and i want right now there's not it's like if you move away from a gateway city, you're you know, that person might think, well, that that's it. I don't right. I'm not a part of gateway anymore. Why does that have to be? Why can't they be a part of Gateway for the rest of their life? Is God saying that a person's relationship should end because they move to another city? In a highly mobile society, yeah. people are craving roots. They're craving the ability to do life together with people that they really resonate with and the Gateway Global family would be an opportunity for anyone who says look I just want to be a part of this family forever and always I don't you know it's not that I'll never attend another church or but I just want to maintain my connection I was here for 10 years or here for 15 years or or maybe others I get I get letters very often from Africa and Latin America and they people want to connect they right. they heard a message they they saw our website. They read an article, and they say, "I, how would I be a part of you?"
0: Yeah, the Gateway Global Family would be a way for us to do that. That's so cool. I've been in a couple meetings where we've talked about the Gateway Global Family, and I know that we're kind of in the process of defining and dreaming, and 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 kind of kind of taking this dream that God's given you, and going, okay, how do we? how do we do this and we're, you know, probably going to walk that out over the next couple of years but what are some of the other dreams that you have for gateway over the next couple of years
1: well the the vision that God has given to me it's very much related to family that would be a big piece of it but it's the 10 cities vision, yeah. you know, being one church in multiple cities and whether 10 is a a spiritual number or 10 is an actual number to see in each of our cities, our church family in each of our cities become a true hub of conversion, what I would call conversion communities, where people are coming to Jesus because they are getting connected to us and our lives. I, want, I don't want to just see ten cities mm. or a global family. I want to see that as a catalyst for people coming to Christ. Yeah. And I think that that's that goes to church culture, that goes to our practice, that goes to our faith, that goes to how we disciple people and what kind of a life we're advocating that people will live within inside the Gateway family. What kind of life do we live? I want to see all of our cities as conversion communities where the lost are really coming to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, like in large numbers, if God wills it. And we need revival for that. But we also need a certain passion, and we need a certain kind of culture where we care about the lost, and we love the lost, and we're thinking about the lost, and we're doing life with the lost, and we're sharing our story with the lost. And it's, and it's becoming like a movement. So I, I don't want to just populate ten cities with believers. I right. want to see ten cities where there's a where there's a an engine in every one of those cities for drawing people um to the lord that's a big dream that i have to see you know conversion communities i'm excited about Gate, gateways global families and um i'm also excited about you know life groups and seeing people do life together um to me the word family i know it it's can seem like an old fashioned term but maybe another term is community, you know, the gateway community, yeah. where everybody matters, everybody is growing, everybody is honoring and being honored. Uh, to me, that's going back to a previous conversation that you and I had. That's what I had when I first came to Christ, and I still have it to this day. I have community. Mm. I have like-minded people, people around me that want the same thing that I want, and they're normal, and they don't want to just go to church seven days a week. i mean, they do life in a certain way, and that has been the most stabilizing, helpful thing for me as a person, as a, just as a just as David Canastracy, not Doctor David Can, just David. You know, just having people around me have the same values that I have. I want to create as many platforms for that to take place in the lives of other people as I possibly can because that's what transforms a life. Yeah. Family
0: transforms a life. Community transforms a life. That's so good. So um, next I want to bring up a couple of questions that I got for you on Instagram. Okay, should I be nervous? I don't think so. No, no, no. These are Great. good questions, and uh, some of these questions are from people in our church. Some of them are from people outside of our church. People that I owe money to. <laughs> A few. Okay. A few. We'll omit those. <laughs> right. We'll omit those. All right. I block be good. them. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of fire these off. Uh, one person wrote in. I'll keep these anonymous. And asked for uh like life hacks slash wisdom for getting up early, being productive and disciplined. So how do you discipline yourself and get yourself productive? You said you're a task-oriented person.
1: Uh well, I think getting up early is strictly hundred percent a matter of well, a lot of us have biology that you know we're morning people. Uh I don't know how to help a person that's not a morning person to get up in the morning. I don't know. Set your alarm. That'd be one thing. (laughs) Get to bed. You know, I think go get to bed at a decent hour. This is what I learned in college. You know, if I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning to study for an exam or to travel or to catch a flight or whatever it is, I've got to get to bed on time. Hmm. So I've learned to love going to bed. You know, I'm, I, I think one of the, my favorite moments in the day is going to bed. It's a wonderful thing to go to bed. So, especially if you've got to get up the next morning. So, if you have a goal of getting up in the next, the next morning, you, you got to get practical by going to bed at the right time uh, the night before. I don't think of myself as a super disciplined person, I think of myself as a person with desires. Hmm. You have to want things, you know. If you don't want to write a book, you're not gonna write a book. You're not gonna get up and write a book. If you don't want to lose fifteen pounds, you're not going to do it. You've got to have a desire. Everything begins with desire. So ask yourself the question, what do I really want? Hmm. What do I really want? You know, do I do I really care about this? Do I really want to earn a degree? Or I don't care. If you wanna earn a degree, then you have that desire, then you find the the discipline to do it. Yeah. But to me, it's not a question of, do I need more discipline? I think a lot of times we need to, it's, we need more desire.
0: Yeah. So on productivity, is there anything that you would advise someone who maybe they, maybe they have the passion to get things done, but they just aren't sure how to get organized? Um, are there any like, specific things that you do or any specific ways that you organize your schedule um, to make sure that you're productive?
1: Um, I think rhythms are really important. Now, this might not apply to everybody because some people like every day to be a surprise. I don't. I like purpose for every day. So rhythms, building rhythms into your life. Every Tuesday, I do this. Every Thursday, I do this. Saturdays is for... Saturdays is for this, you know. Break break your week down into days, mornings, afternoons and evenings that all have purpose to them. So I like to rest on Mondays. I don't like to I don't like to do my tax returns on Mondays. I don't like to do my list of what I've got to accomplish this week on Mondays. I'll do that on Tuesday. So I think find your rhythms and try to reinforce them and try to communicate to yourself and other people. This is my rhythm. Yeah. This is when I go to bed. This is when I watch TV. This is when I unplug. And this is when I'm dead serious. And, and if you're dead, if you want me to be dead serious with you, let's do it on Tuesday. Let's do it on Friday. Mm. Let's, Um. but right now I'm trying to, sleep or right now I'm trying to, uh, unplug or right now I am definitely about getting stuff done. So I think, you know, understand what your rhythms are. Don't just amble through your day, figure out when is your prime time to get certain things done and then write it down, get a plan, you know, write down what you've got to get done this week and when you're going to do it. So you make a list. What I do every week, I make a li- I look at my calendar and my schedule, and I know the emails that I've gotten, what people are expecting from me and what I expect from myself, and I make my list, and then I assign a time to it. Mm. I will do this on Tuesday. I will do this on Wednesday. I will do this on Thursday. That helps me because when I look at that list, it's overwhelming, and I think, ah, how am I going to get all this done? Right. So, so schedule it. I put a T for Tuesday. I put a TH for Thursday. I put an essay for Saturday and I just write down next to my list of things to do. This is the day that I'm going to do it. And then I just focus on Tuesday on all my T's and I just keep going until my T's are done. So I don't know if that's helpful, but that's my system. And I love to to accomplish things. I love to draw a line through something. I have a list right here. Look at it. (laughs) It's right here. Oh, yeah. And I've drawn (laughs) lines through it. The favorite thing in my day is to draw a line through a list of things that I said I need to do today. That is a very satisfying feeling. Yeah, it's a great feeling.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's really good. Okay, so next question. So you seem to always have the exact right wording and response in every situation. This is someone writing in. This is someone who doesn't know me very well. Not my words. Yeah, okay. Uh, Although I'd say I agree. Uh, Response in every situation to speak the truth In love, but be firm and honest. But say things in a way that people respond positively to and hear you instead of being defensive or offended. Wow. So this person's talking about how you uh, say something hard to somebody in the right way so that you'll be heard. How do you say something difficult to somebody in the right way so that They'll hear you. Uh, never make a person feel stupid.
1: Never make a person feel like there's something wrong with them. Mm. Never make a person feel like you look down on them. Mm. Like you know how naughty they are, and you just caught them. You know, or you know. yeah, yeah. Um, Don't trigger someone's pride when talking right, to them. Right. Right. Um, I think gentle is always a good starting place and then you can turn up the firmness if it's needed. But when you come on like a ton of bricks, which as a (laughs) can of I have the capacity of doing that. And so I've, I've learned that that's not the best way to come into a room, you know, just uh, like a cannonball, you know, come in soft and then turn it up. You can always turn it up. But once you, once you kill someone or blood is shed, you know, with your personality and your style, it's really hard to, really hard to undo that damage. So yeah. be aware that a leader's words weigh a thousand pounds and something that you might say that you think is perfectly fine to say it because people would understand. But coming from a person who has authority or spiritual authority, it could be a devastating thing. So start... Soft and then turn it up
0: as needed. Yeah. And then like you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, really find out if that person wants your advice, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> if they don't want to hear it. What were those three things that you've you've said before? Um when you have something that you want to say, the three things, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? And does this need to be said by me right now? Right now. Yeah, correct. Correct.
1: The other thing I think it's very important is just you have to care. You have to love. Mm. You have to love the person that you're talking to. If you don't love someone, um, you probably shouldn't be speaking into their life. That's so
2: good. Okay.
0: Um, Another question. How do you lead when you feel like you're not winning? you feel like it's just not going good? That's a really good question.
1: You have to encourage yourself. And you have to tell yourself the truth. And sometimes the truth is, this is a bad day, or even this is a bad season. And this is going to be hard. Mm. I'm in a building time. People aren't cheering for me. Um, I'm, I'm shorthanded. You know, I don't have enough leaders or whatever the moment is. And you got to tell yourself the truth, but you also have to encourage yourself that you can do it. You can make it. You know, uh, I've said to myself many times, I'm as smart as anybody that's getting this right. Mm. And I can do this. I just need to give myself time. I need to work at it. I need to I need to pay the price. So I think uh, self-talk is very important. Don't listen to what the enemy is saying. Encourage yourself, and stay in the Bible, and stay in prayer. I know that sounds like the same answer you would give every time, but for me, honest to God, reading the Bible is the most encouraging thing in my life. Praying and reading the Bible is my—that's the well that I draw from to stay encouraged, and and if I'm not in the Bible and in prayer, I will become discouraged very quickly.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I think a lot of people, if they're not winning, they're looking for encouragement from other people, and you just don't always, you don't always get that.
1: People aren't that smart. They don't know what to say to you, and they don't even know you, they need to say something to you. Um, right. Everybody's got their own stuff they're dealing with, and it's that's not a criticism. You know, think, oh, people should know better, but they don't. You know, you, we walk by a hundred different tragedies in ten people's lives in yeah. an hour. You know, how could we possibly address, you know, every person where they're at at all times? It's not a realistic expectation. It's not realistic for me to think that people are going to know what I need. And give me what I need at any given moment. I've got to get that from God. Yeah. And let people off the hook and stop expecting everybody around me to lift me up. I've got to lift myself up and get my encouragement directly from God. Once you get that
0: ability, then you're kind of unsinkable. That's really good. That's really good. How to not rely on other people for. (laughs) <laughs> whatever you need. Take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, not in a bad way.
1: Not like, I don't need anybody. I'm, I'm a rock. I'm an island. I, you know, I hate people because they're not there for me. No, you don't want to do that. You just want to let other people off the hook of nurturing you and making sure you're okay when you really can kind of take care of yourself with
0: God's help. Yeah, that's so good. Hey, guys, thanks again for listening. I had a lot of fun getting to uh, ask my dad a bunch of questions and and hearing hearing what he had to say. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed listening as much as I did. Um, thank you so much for for joining me for these past couple of episodes while I hijacked the Gateway Leadership Podcast. As always, we are going to be releasing a new episode with Pastor David Canis-Tracy every single month, the first Tuesday. So join us right here again next month on the Gateway Leadership Podcast. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Gateway Leadership Podcast with David canis inspiring you to lead in every area of life. We'll be releasing a new episode every month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next month.